Hello and welcome to another episode of Adventures in .NET. I'm Sean Claybo, your host, and with me today, your co-host, Wailu. Hey, hey Sean, how you doing? Not too bad, not too bad. We're uh, getting a little nicer weather, so I think I'm going to have to actually go outside and get them some things done. <laughs> and get a bit yeah, active, Take down yeah. my Christmas lights. <laughs> yep. <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's our other co-host, Caleb Wells. Hey, Caleb. Hey, guys. Hey. Yeah, I'm I'm trying not to go outside. Well, yeah. The pollen well, is, is bad. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about tornadoes. You know, a couple of days ago, you had oh, a big well, one come. You know, How far was it from you? Uh, it was east side of New Orleans, so 15 miles away or so. So can you, like, see the tornado when it's that close? Or is it... Because I've never seen a tornado, so it's not... It, Yes, it depends. I mean, right? We we've got so so many buildings, and, and I mean, this area is there is no um, space to build. So no, we couldn't see this one from that far away. But you can see one from a from a couple of miles coming. But you know, I honestly I'm okay with those. The pollen's what kills me. <laughs> <laughs> I walk outside, and my car, which is silver, is yellow. That's how much pollen we got. Yeah. But no, we're we're good. Thankfully, it, it hit a, an area called Araby, but there are a bunch of homes and businesses were damaged, but they're they're rebuilding already. So man, that's living in New Orleans. Yeah. And then I saw the viral videos, the kid that was driving his truck. Did you see that where he's driving his truck down the road and the wind from the tornado knocks it on its side, yeah. spins it around, and then it flips it back right, upright and he drives away. And it's like, I wow. had not seen you that. Haven't seen that. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, crazy. And uh, yeah, damage just dropped. And 16 year old kid, I guess one of the car dealerships around there is going to give him a new truck. So they're, they're yeah, working he, it off. He of should it. not but, have been out in that. Yeah. Um, he had to go to a job interview. Better, but, he was eh. going to a job interview. So, <laughs> and he got the job. So he's happy. Yeah. So, but I was, it was good. It's for also him. kind of funny yeah. that you're talking about 15 miles away being the, the east side of town. You know, where I'm at, yeah. 15 miles away would be like three towns over. <laughs> yeah, it's New Orleans is actually, a, New Orleans proper is a small area, but New Orleans in general is pretty big. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. It's so, just like, yeah. you know, I'm from the Seattle area as well, so I, I kind of understand yeah. that. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, folks, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately, I've been working on actually building out Top End Devs. If you're interested, you can go to topendevs.com slash podcast, and you can actually hear a little bit more about my story, about why I'm doing what I'm doing with Top End Devs, why I changed it from uh, devchat.tv to Top End Devs. But what I really want to get into is that I have decided that I'm going to build the platform that I always wished I had with devchat.tv and I renamed it to Top End Devs because I want to give you the resources that are going to help you to build the career that you want, right? So whether you want to be an influencer in tech, whether you want to go and just max out your salary and then go live a lifestyle with your family, your friends, or just traveling the world or whatever, I, I want to give you the resources that are going to help you do that. We're going to have career and leadership resources in there, and we're going to be giving you content on a regular basis to help you level up and max out your career. So go check it out at topendevs.com. If you sign up before my birthday, that's December 14th. If you sign up before my birthday, you can get 50% off the lifetime of your subscription. Once again, that's topendevs.com. Okay. Yep. What do you want to talk about today? What have you guys done lately? Anybody done any interviews? No. Surprisingly, I have not. Although my, my boss will be happy to hear that I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean you're going on interviews, but, but you know, uh, they could have been, you know, I did a lot of interviewing myself and 
in previous mm-hmm. positions and things like that. So I thought maybe maybe we would talk about that yeah. today. So uh, yeah. you know, I you know, in the last twenty five years, something like that, I've I've mm-hmm. had three jobs. So I haven't done a, a lot of interviews mm-hmm. myself, but in that time, I've been on a lot of hiring committees that done tech in, tech hiring and tech interviews for that. So in, in I can really enjoy hi, um, interviewing people. Like I don't know, I just I just enjoy it. Like um, it's, it's really good to kind of see how I, people react in that situation as well. Yeah, because it's a it's a stressful situation though. You're going to interview. I'm but I'm one of those right. So typically these days, it's a group of people you're interviewing one person, right? Two or three of you, and if you can tell the person's smart and they got a good resume, I'm usually pretty easygoing. But if you slip up or you put someone in your resume and I ask you about it and you can't talk to it and explain it, then then I start um <laughs> I start pushing a little more. But that, that's usually a red flag, right? <laughs> Something in your resume that you can't actually talk about. So I yeah. guess it depends. But yeah, yeah. I totally agree. You know, doing all those interviews, it's it's really good to be on the interviewer side as much as you can because you actually see mm. all the different ways that somebody can interview because all the different candidates come in and you can see what they do well and the other, other members of the committee, what they really respond to and things like that. So, you know, one thing that's really always irked me with shallow answers. It's like, yeah, I, I can do that. And I know this and I know that. It's like, okay, how? Prove it to me. You know, just, don't just tell me that you're... Fill in the gaps. That you're a, a yeah. 10 on a scale of 10 for C sharp or something like that. It's like, okay, if you're that good, tell me what you know that nobody else knows or something like that. So prove it. It's can't, it can't be just a claim. I find that you really have to kind of prepare... Like, if, especially if you haven't done one for a long time, you really have to prepare for it. So, like, I think like what you said about they're not giving shallow answers, you really need to say, like, come up with some real life examples, um, like basically on the spot. So, like, if you if, if it was like, tell me about your C sharp experience, or whatever, you need to list um a couple of projects you've done in C sharp, and and you know what kind of impact that you've made in, in that project, and what stack you were working on at the time, and things like that. Yeah, and if you if you're doing that, and you're explaining, and you're we're on a team. You have to tell them, you know, not just what the project was, but how you contributed to the code base and what mm-hmm. you added and things like that. And sometimes it's not just code; it could be other things, you know, like some expertise or maybe uh, some UI guidance or things like that. So it doesn't have to be all just code. Well, mm. and the interesting thing there is, I can talk rings around that stuff. Like if you put me in an interview and I'm the person who's interviewing for the position. You can ask me questions about C Sharp. You can ask me questions about .NET UI. You can ask me to give details about projects I've worked on and go to town. Not a problem, right? You ask me to start doing some whiteboard stuff, and I'm like, just shoot me. (laughs) (laughs) I totally totally get what you're saying there. Yep, I do not like whiteboards. And uh, last week, I was talking with Cecil Phillips, and we talked about .NET Interactive. And I was like, well... That's mm. something that probably can really be used in interviews to, re- to replace whiteboards. Give me just a little, just a little scratch pad mm. thing to, to write some code on rather than sitting up there with a, a marking pen and trying to do pseudocode or whatever and come up with something. Get me something right. that I can just sit there and type and build. It's just not a representation of what you really be like in real life, you know, the whiteboard right. thing, you know, like it's not like it's not like any job development job you're going to take. It's not like you're going to use no tools at all, right? And you just have to rely on your mind, basically. Like you're going to, you're going to be using for your studio, you're going to be using a whole suite of tools and, and you're going to be using the internet, right? So being able to use those tools is actually more important than 
basically be able to come up with a really elegant algorithm or something on, on a on a whiteboard. So I think I talked to you guys about this. I don't know if I brought this up on the podcast, right? But for my current job, the interview process went went fine, but as part of the hiring process, I had to take a code test, right? And I forget which one it which company it was, but he said this probably could take you about three hours. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I get into the app and I have to do like five coding questions. And I get in there, right? And it's got an editor, but it's not like Visual Code or Visual Studio. And it doesn't have any debugging built in. And so I'm having to go back to using console.writeline and like old school debugging just to figure out what kind of results I'm getting and to see what's inside my loops and stuff. And it was honestly, it was painful. And that's why it took three hours, right? Because it, when you get put in that environment, yeah, you can, you can figure it out and you can make it work. And I did, but you get so used to the tooling and the IDE and, and the support that Microsoft provides and, and all their stuff that makes your life easier. And you don't have to, to remember this bit or that bit, right? So it makes a difference. <laughs> so what do you guys think about doing real coding? During interviews, are you or are you for it or are you against it? Because I've I've seen a lot of like discussions about you know doing real live coding mm-hmm. during interviews. Some people is like I'm not giving them free work and things like that. And other people like, well, I got to show them that I can do it. Which side are you on? Yeah, I I don't like it personally. It's right. It brings up my my imposter syndrome, and I start second guessing myself. And it's you know an, an interview is already a a pressure filled situation, or it can be right? Stressful. And so, you know, that that may eliminate me from a chunk of positions or opportunities. But luckily, <laughs> doing what we do, there is no limit of quality jobs out there, right? And different companies have different interviewing styles or ways of handling things. So, you know. Yeah, some some candidates like actually want to, want to be paid if you're actually going to have them, you know, try to write some demo code during an interview, it's like, no, no and what I'm asking for not is not code that's going to go into production. I just want to see some right. basic skill sets that you can apply to a starter project. So as an interviewer, I actually found those mm-hmm. interview you know, coding exams to be the most revealing. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't used as some web- website to create a project. It was, I set, set them down in a room. Here's a computer. Here's Visual Studio. Here's the internet. This is how you'd be doing your job. Write me something mm-hmm. that just does this, this, and this. And it's, you know, okay. something that it, a decent programmer can do in two hours. And I usually gave them three or four hours yeah. to do it. And what was most revealing was it didn't really matter if they finished or not. It was, it mm-hmm. revealed about a lot of things. It's like, what was their time management? You know, did they, did they spend a lot of time doing stuff that really wasn't asked for in the problem? Or did they just kind of zip through it and they spent most of the time researching and they, they came up with something good or whatever. But I had, you know, I had a program that I said, oh, do this input form, give them an acknowledgement page, and then another page to just show the results. That's kind of the exam that I, I had for these people. I had one guy spend all three hours just on the table design. It was like three tables. Maybe each column had, each table had three or four fields in it. And he spent, and you know, that's, I wouldn't have learned that in in a, just a regular question answer interview. No, you're right. Yeah, I think I, I think I agree with like both of you to some extent. I think the the code interviews, like the code segment of, of an interview, probably is is pretty revealing. But I, I think probably the take home exercise is probably 
better. Like I don't know if you guys have ever had it, but I've, and maybe it should be incorporated into into the interview. But probably in this market, you are probably going to eliminate a whole bunch of candidates because if you are, if, unless you're like a super um, prestigious, like like a very big company or whatever, asking a developer or just a potential candidate to to spend three or four hours without paying them to do um just just have a chance to get a job at your company, you're probably going to just eliminate a whole bunch of really good candidates that probably aren't going to be bothered to, to do that because they've just got so many other yeah. choices. I never did so. this. This was always the final round. So it wasn't until, you know, they whittled down to like two or three people left. Mm. And so I didn't want to take up a lot of time with people that I knew just didn't have a chance to get into that. So mm. I was doing that. I had very few people say no. And one person, you know, are you going to pay me? It's like, no, because this is not production code. This <laughs> is just like a little to-do right. app type thing. So we're not going to pay you. And in where I was at, once you hired somebody, it was really hard to get rid of them. So you had to make sure that whoever you just actually did hire, they were going to be a, be good and they had to be there long term. Because if you make a mistake, that was really, really costly. Well, and you know, it's interesting because most of our work, right, that we do is private. And so it's not open source, it's not public. You can't show someone, here's how I did something. But I do like the fact that if you have some projects out on GitHub, or you have your own website, we can look at those and I can I can learn some things from that. Maybe not time management, like you're talking, Sean, right? But I can see somehow, sometimes how you think and your follow through, you know, and, and your website. Can you can you do design or are you just just a, a coder, right? Kind of thing. So yeah, there there are a bunch of different ways to approach interviewing someone. But like I said, I'm I'm usually probably one of the easier people in the in the committee, so to speak, and unless unless I find that you're you're padding <laughs> in some way, shape, or form. I think having that initial portfolio as well, like it doesn't necessarily need to, for me anyway, show like how tech savvy you are, but it basically just shows passion basically for mm. your job. Like, yeah. like if you're willing to basically at, off your own bat do some, you know, open source. You know, GitHub projects or whatever, or create a little, you know, hobby project or whatever. It probably means that you're, you know, you, you like de- development more than just the paycheck. You know, you're actually quite passionate about, about things. And, and I find that people that are passionate about tech generally take up a new job easier just because, you know, you, you're never going to find a full a complete mapping. Like I need Angular, I need .NET, I need, you know, whatever, like the exact technology that, that you need kind of thing and you can you'll be able to find someone that, that, that has that exact match you generally you'll come to a job in the first i don't know two or three months you'll be spending learning uh, even about the the business and how everything works and things like that so there's always that, that ramp up stage you know yeah you need 10 years of experience with dotnet core <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that, sure. that's not that's really not enough you you need to have been working in dotnet core since the mid 90s if you've been doing that then you you fit in yeah. perfect right here. <laughs> I actually only accept who invented .NET Core. So, um. so do you think maybe the interviews will can vary with the person? When I worked in mm-hmm. government jobs, we everybody had I had to be the same questions, the same interview for mm-hmm. every single candidate. But I think in private industry, they might have a little more leeway to vary depending on on the person. Because my oh, yeah. my last interview that I took really wasn't a lot of questions. You know, I and I think that was basically because I showed them. I've been working in .NET for 20 years. And, and for somebody to say mm-hmm. in .NET and C Sharp and VB.NET and NAD Framework or stuff for, for that for 20 years, they're going to know stuff. And they're going to have that mm-hmm. passion to, to stay with it. And they're probably going to want to stay at your company for a while because I also showed them that 
my last job was six years and the time before that was 17 years at a job. So I think a lot, a lot of that was very telling to them as well. So I'd, the interview went pretty easy. Yeah. I think the more experience you I have, think those- sometimes the, the easier the interview experience can be. For instance, interviewing for this position, my, my lead, he's like, he's like, yeah, man, he's like 10 minutes in. And then you, you would be fine. You were a good fit. He's like, honestly, I checked out after then. And it was like an hour interview, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> I hear well, you. I think you just have more leverage as well, right? You have more leverage. And I think the questions become less about the tech stack. Because like you said, you've done 20 years of this. You know, like, How can you possibly test like someone like, you know, in an hour? How good they are mm. at, that, at that point? Um, and then it becomes more, are you actually a good fit? For, for the organization and for the project and the team that you're in. Right. And then answering those kind of course, course off skills questions are, are, are really hard. And yeah, yeah like Sean, I've, you know, cause I've, I've been working in the public service. So all the, my, all of the job interviews that, that I've been a part of, generally we ha- always have to ask the same question and we always have a very, very kind of structured way of assessing because everything has to be kind of transparent in the public service. And I think for big organizations as well, I think any organization where it's big enough that you, that decision making needs to be a, a very formal process, needs to have something like that. But I'm guessing if you work for a, you know, a startup, if you interview for a startup, then it'd just be, you know, like a very informal chat kind of thing. And it's all about the vibe of the interview and things like that. So, you know, goodness, and I'm blanking on his name. He's writing Blazer in action. And why am I blanking on his name? We had him on the, the podcast a year or so ago. Chris. Anyway, <laughs> I actually interviewed for his company prior to my current job. And it was like you said, why well, I got on the phone with the, the CTO and the CEO and we chatted for about 30 minutes. And they're like, yeah, we're, this is good. We, we'll see what we can, what we can figure out. Let's go from here. Right. I like those kind of interviews. <laughs> so, yep. Chris Saney, I knew it was going to come to me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, um, sorry, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's- better than me. I am I am horrible with names. Could be a number any day, but not a name. So what questions do you think are good and which questions are bad? Hmm. So from the interviewer perspective, broad questions, I think, make it difficult for the interviewee to answer them well or answer them the way you want them to, right? The more broad the question, you may, have, you may expect a certain answer. And I may think a completely different way, right? I think the more specific the questions, the better. Yeah, don't don't have an ambiguous question. You know, same thing as like right. some of the exams, you know, when you have different questions or the question can apply to different answers, then it's like, uh, I don't know which one you want. Hmm. Hey folks, I'm here with JD from Raygun. JD, I, I have to complain. I mean, when I started in tech like 20 years ago, one of the first things they taught me was to use tail and grep to find the problem on a server. And, uh, uh, I, I don't do that anymore. Um, I have to say Raygun kind of solves that problem for me and picks up all the stuff that really is relevant to the request or whatever that hat came in. Um, I'm curious, do you find that with kind of the oldsters like me, a common thing? or I think there's definitely better approaches to solving some of these problems now. You know, <laughs> I, I always used to think of logging. I heard this great analogy once. It was like, you know, logging tools are like coffins. Things go in there. They very rarely come out, you know, um, and you feel safe because it's there, but there's so much noise. Understanding what's Mm -hmm. important and what's not takes a lot of effort. Um, Yeah. And I mean, you know, often I talk about Raygun's crash reporting product as being like a black box flight recorder. Like, just tell me when the plane blows up because I need to fix that really urgently, (laughs) you know. Um, and that's been hugely valuable. You don't need to tail that. That's true. 
you know, folks, you should just go get Ray Gun, and then you can see when stuff breaks, what matters. You can get it at raygun.com. They actually are doing a free trial, so go check it out. And they do that on purpose, too, right? It's like, why? <laughs> well, sometimes, I mean, think, think the, other, the other way around. Sometimes they're asking, will he ask a clarified question? You know, because that's another thing mm. that's good to do in interviews. Uh, yeah. is if you get a question you yeah. don't quite understand, you know, and you know it could be two, one or two or three different possibilities, you know, start asking a question back. You know, are you looking for something that talks about, you know, dependency injection? Or are you talking yeah. about uh, framework or data structures or something like that? Just ask something mm-hmm. and that might let them know, hey, you kind of know that well enough to know that I asked you something that wasn't very specific and you want to know more. That actually brings up a good point. And it can be hard to do this if you have a little, just a little experience, you're a new developer. But you're not only is the company interviewing you for a position, you're interviewing them, right? Because uh, not only does it need to be a good fit on their end and they want you to have the right experience and, and whatnot, the company's got to be a good fit for you too. And so I go into every interview with the mindset that I'm going to be open and honest and and answer your questions as best I can, but I'm going to ask questions back. Right, I'm going to have questions. For you. Yeah, treat it like a date, basically. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> right? I actually have this list of questions that I've kind of built up over the years, right? And they ask about the company's management style and where do you feel like you are with your competitors and where do you see the company in five years and, right? and see what their answers are. Right. What's your company culture like? We're like work-life balance. And a lot of those are different companies grants are different ways. And sometimes those can be super soft questions and they answer them and you just keep moving. And other times it's like, oh, okay, that's that's a red flag. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm not a big fan of the where do you see yourself in five years, ten years, because it's it's so yeah. open. It's like I don't know what forks in the road are gonna be presented to me with next six months, right. a year, two years, or whatever. You know, I can say yeah. where I want to be tomorrow, where I want to be next week, but five years? Well, actually, then just I would like to know then, how, how would you guys answer that if you were in an interview situation you got asked that question? What would be the your response? My response is well, typically, typically I, I want to be, be better tomorrow than I was today. And, and so every day I want to know more and I want to do things in a better way than I do today. So if that means mm. if I apply that to every day for the next five years, then I'm going to be a whole lot better at a whole lot different things than I am today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it kind of in the same vein. You know, I say that, you know, in five years, I expect to continue to be a developer and I want to continue to write code because coming in, typically I tell them, right, I, I don't have an interest in management. I don't want to be in meetings all day long, right? I want to spend at least 50% or more of my time writing code. Because like Sean said, that that's a difficult question to answer. The company might say, oh yeah, we got a five-year plan and here's what we're doing. But you as a person, five years is a long time. So there's, I can tell you that I'm going to continue to do what I'm doing. Like Sean, hopefully get better as I, as I go. So, yeah. Yeah, I think those two are pretty good responses, to be honest. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. It's the whole... What about the... Go ahead. I was going to say, it's... Sorry. A lot of this is how you answer questions and learning how to answer them, right? When they when they ask, mm. what are your what's your salary expectations? They're like, well, well, what's your salary range for this position typically, right? And you do this back and forth <laughs> 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 until someone caves. <laughs> 
So yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good that's a good one. It's a salary range one. Like, do you guys always come in with some sort of a figure for, to be able to answer that question, or do you kind of just decide on the spot? I guess I I try not to give a number. I, my last interview that I said, I just I basically said I some I want a salary that's market based based upon the number of years that I've been working and the skill set that I provide. And yeah, I'm, some, I'm looking some, for compensation commensurate with the position and my experience in the technology that you're hiring me for. Okay. Somebody, some places might you have, that. Some people, well, what's yeah. that mean? You know, what kind of number? Give me a number. Right. But you know, luckily, my last interview, they didn't ask for a number, but they gave me a good mm. offer. Would you ever reveal what your current salary is to them? Or would you say, like... You know, I've got an NDA. I, I have. Can't answer it or yeah, something. I have. Like, like in my last, in my last job, they, they, they said, "Well, what are you looking to make?" And I was like, "Well, you know, what's, what's your range?" And like, "Well, our, our range is this to this." And I'm like, "Okay, well, I think we're looking somewhere in the middle of that range." And I'm like, "Okay, I think we can do that, right?" And then I get with HR, and she's like, "I'm not sure about this salary. Let, let me check with, with the hiring developer." And I'm like, "Okay." He already said, okay, you go ahead and check with them. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, sometimes working with a recruiter, right, or a headhunter makes that a little easier because they'll tell you, and a, a lot of times up front, the company is willing to pay this. And if it's too low, don't even bother, right? Now, um, and, but if it's in the right range, then yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's kick the tires and, and see if, see if it's a good fit, right? So. So what about the question of, like, I always, always hate this one, and so I, I think at times I have asked it, what is your biggest weakness? How do you, hmm. how do you guys in, generally answer that? That's a, that's a real trap question, isn't it, really? Everyone who gets this question, you answer it with the strength, but you say that it's a, it's, you know, it's, it's a quirk or whatever. Like, like, that's uh, such a gimmick answer. You know, you know I that have, I'm too much of a perfectionist. Okay. <laughs> too much of a, per, too much of a perfectionist. Yeah. That is always that, that go to yeah. safe answer for that question. Yep. It is. Right. Or I sometimes I can't let a problem go. Right. And even after I'm done with work, it's still in my mind. I'm eating dinner with my family and, and it's still in the back of my mind. And, and, but you know, hey, I wake up the next morning and I figured it out, you know? <laughs> Right. So, you know, that, that's a bad habit when it comes to your home life, but work life, I'm like, oh, that's great. <laughs> it's a crap answer, a crap question and uh, uh, for a crap answer, right? Or vice versa. <laughs> or you can always go to something that's totally irrelevant, you know, to, I'm a bad speller mm. or I'm terrible at, at mm. doing this. I'm this terrible design. at baseball. Like, is yeah, this, this, yeah, yeah, this yeah, game? Yeah. <laughs> no. yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think it, it is a hard question. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I think you, you basically, I feel like the, the best answer is like, yeah, you can't do something too obvious and it's just a blatant, like a strength kind of thing. You kind of have to, you kind of have to reveal something that's not too bad, but then also kind of have a, like a redeeming thing, like something that says, oh, well, I've, I've been trying to do this to try to fix it type thing. Um, but it can yeah. be a bit of a hard question. I'm not sure how, how useful it is to gauge how I think great that comes across as a better answer. Oh. If you can find some minor weakness, but then say, since I, I'm aware of that, I've been doing these things to try to get better at it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, don't, but don't just come out and say, I'm not really good with time management or I write really <laughs> yeah. <bad> or <laughs> yeah. I'm a massive alcoholic. Um, <laughs> I usually show up late. <laughs> you know, I miss a lot of meetings. Right. Yeah, man. I, I can't do a meeting before 10 because I, I sleep in every morning. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know. Some companies I might be okay. With. Yeah. Flex schedule. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Right. The interview process can be fun. And I think the longer you've been doing this, the more fun or easier it gets to a certain perspective. Because if you're going into an interview process, not necessarily expecting to get a job or expecting anything, right? Because right now it's a developer's market. There's plenty of opportunities out there. I think that works out better for you and for the company, honestly, in the long run, because you're you're not pursuing it from a position of weakness or need. It's more of, let's, let's see if this is a, a good match. Like Y said, it's a date. So, so is, is there... Is there yep. ways to practice? You know, you can't like do a practice date unless you like ask your sister, no. hey, can you, can you be my practice date? Well, well to I, be on that topic, actually, I, I think you can. Not Maybe not your sister, but like, from, for example, when me and my wife, either one of us are actually trying to, trying to find a job, yeah. we do actually do mock interviews with each other. Like, in fact, when my wife actually last got her job, she's been in the same job for, for ages as well. We had a we had a spreadsheet basically of every job that she was trying to apply for. She took it took her thirty three attempts basically to to get this one job. At the start, she she couldn't even get interviews, so she had to keep refining her resume. Her we did this thing called a selection criteria thing in the government. Eventually, she, you know, she she got in better at it that she could get almost interviews for every one of them. But then she was just so nervous at the interviews. I, I remember one time she was saying that she couldn't stop shaking at one of the interviews, kind of thing. And then we just kept practicing. We just kept doing these mock interviews. Um, and you know, I'd, I'd, I'd ask the questions, and it just wouldn't matter if she just went on a rant, kind of thing. She was just kind of slowly picking up examples. And then I think by the end of it, she pretty much was she she, she was confident enough that she, I think she. She could get any job, kind of thing. So it is, it is something that you requires, you know, a bit of practice. And if you haven't done it for a while, you have to, you have to keep practicing um, all the time. Like, you know, in front of a wall, driving, you know, with your wife, kind of thing, whatever. You know, just, just keep, keep trying to, trying to answer questions. I think. So. Yeah, I think you could do it. You know, like if you have some tech friends, you can do it for them, or you know, even some coworkers that you're comfortable with letting them know, hey, you're looking for other jobs. You know, to interview. I even think some people actually apply to jobs not to get it, but just to interview. So you might interview, apply yep. for some job that you you don't even really want to accept, but you want to get that little kind of interview practice before you go on and apply for the one that you really want to get. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually not a bad strategy. So I have done that before. So <laughs> <laughs> not not recently, but yeah, I've done that before. Right. You're like like I probably haven't done it in a in a like I I definitely won't take this job kind of thing. It's more uh, like, yeah. oh, I'll just see what happens at the interview and see what happens type thing. Like yeah. you know, so you're not wasting the person's time. It's just it's just right. it's just that the interview is about more of them selling the company to you than you're than you accepting the job yeah. kind of thing. So Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So those of you employers out there, companies out there listening to us, if you ever happen to interview us, I promise you we're interested in the job. Let's <laughs> let's, let's let the process take take its normal course and we'll go from there. <laughs> do you have any uh oh, I think, do you have any memorable gotcha questions? Well, I remember one that I that I gave to an interviewee, and I honestly never forget this. And this leads into a whole other subject, right, of length of resumes and, and CVs with your photo on it, depending on where you live and all these different differences, right? But his but his resume was like four pages long, and there was a lot of detail in there. And so I went line by line, company by company, and there were a couple of things that stood out to me the way they were written. Like the, the sentence didn't make sense for the technology or the wording, right? So I highlighted a couple of these. And in the interview process, I asked him and he's like, he's like, he's like, uh, I don't know. And I'm like, well, it's on your resume on page three. Here, I'll read it to you. He's like, oh, yeah, I, I don't think that should be there. 
And I was like, dude, I'll never forget that. So, how about uh, you guys familiar with kind of like some the notorious like Google type interview questions, the brain teasers, mm. things like that? Are those beneficial or not? No, I haven't encountered any. Have you guys ever encountered any in a real life situation? Like, um, that I mean, I, I'd be kind of interested, um, to see how it would react, but yeah, that that, that would be weird if i ever got one of those um you know you got like two eggs and like, like story building and what how high can you drop it without cracking an egg or like fizz, fizz buzz or or how or this this parking lot and you can only do so many cars next to each other and you like no <laughs> how many no. piano tuners are in the town <laughs> yeah right yeah, yeah. i no. used to ask one that was just kind of like for fun to see if they you know kind of get a little yeah. humor and Things like that, and, and also see if you know they could get it. But I used to ask the question: Is how do you cut a cake into eight equal pieces with only three cuts? And uh, a lot of people really had to think about it, think about it, and mm-hmm. most of them forget a cake is three dimensional. So they're trying to cut a circle into eight pieces with three cuts, not a cake. So <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. So you cut cut it in half. Of, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, see, I don't know if I'd be able to answer that on the spot, to be honest. Well, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, it, it didn't so. count towards anything in in the final standings. It was, uh, more of, you know, kind of a humorous type thing, and just to throw at them and yeah. lightweight and not difficult. But I, it yeah. didn't count for anything. If they got it right or wrong, right? So when you say it didn't count for anything, does that mean you when you did an interview, you had a scoring system? Like you would rate the candidates based on each question they answered and how yeah, how well they answered yeah, it. Yeah, we had to score. We had to score. So, so each question would have mm-hmm. a a rating on it. Mm. Yeah, I've I've never been in in a company interviewing or being an interviewee where where we had like got a score. Not that I can recall. So, mm. what about your resume? How? Because I know we're in Australia, we kind of we're pretty liberal about the length of our resumes, and at times I've had responses that are like like honestly that like, like twenty pages, like ten twenty pages, which is crazy because like I'm I'm just I, I don't have time to read like right. twenty. 20 page resumes kind of thing so but yeah i heard in america they're actually quite strict you know usually a one or two pages is that true it's preferred uh, it's preferred that, that seems yeah. to be the standard yeah yeah so keep it to two mm. if you can you've got to go to three or four that might be okay but one thing that's very uh common around here is your first pass of the resume is in the hr department and not somebody that knows tech and so they're just looking for key things very quickly to be able to know is this this person pass to be moved on to the actual people that would be doing the interview or are they just rejected mm-hmm. right away mm-hmm. and it's interesting because i've i've had several recruiters tell me you should drop any jobs that are older than like 15 years or if you have 10 jobs or you have 20 jobs listed on your resume drop the last 10 of them right it really depends on who you're talking to and each hr kind of does their own thing too so yeah it's and then and then in some cases like with hr right your resume gets scanned into a system and the system looks for keywords and before a person even sees it it'll spit you out if you don't have enough based on what they're looking for. So, yeah, writing a resume is kind of a, an art and a science in and of itself, right? So Yeah, it's interesting, you know, because you don't, you don't really know how it's actually going to be processed, I guess. Yeah, I used to spend a lot of time just trying to perfect the resume and all that stuff. But, but I think over, over the years, I've kind of realized if I want a job, just apply for as 
many places as mm. as possible basically eventually someone will hire you like sometimes i mean like especially since i've been do- doing interviewing myself sometimes you just you just you just realize that the person that's interviewing you is human and they get tons and tons of candidates like occasionally the person just might be in a bad mood when they're reading your resume or they're just not concentrating whatever and they might just no matter how well you've done your job application they might just skip over it because you know they're they're just they're just doing so many um applications and after a while everything kind of blends in together just think about you know the person's got to sit there and read 50 100 uh, resumes and if they're all Mm. 10 to 20 pages you know what (laughs) what kind of drain that is on the person and so I think that's why, at least in the U.S., we've tried to cut it down to two to three pages so that you know they can kind of get the, the main gist of it. And if they need to mo- need more, well, that's why you interview them. You don't try to learn every little thing about somebody straight off their resume. It should be the interview process that, that brings that out. And these days, of course, this takes time, right? Develop your network. But it's nice if you can reach out to a friend or a former coworker, or you have someone reach out to you. It's like, hey, we got this opportunity. You know, are you interested? And so you cut out all that that extra stuff, and you just get get right to the meat of it and the interview process, which is always nice. Oh, I think I think getting referred to is a is a great great thing, and it's good for the employer as well because yeah. like like all the. But I think that that's the most reliable thing that you can have is if if, an, if a fellow employee that you trust mm-hmm. um, in your company actually says, "Hey, this guy's actually pretty good. You know, I've worked with this person. They're actually good." That, that that beats any kind of interview kind of process really because. You know, you, you know for sure that, that, that they can do the job, yeah. basically. Even, so. even high up people at Microsoft that I've talked talk to have told me, if you really want to get a job at Microsoft, become friends with somebody that's already an employee at, at Microsoft and get to know them and get them to uh, kind of be your referral, your recommendation, things like that. Yeah, makes sense. Because they get they get thousands upon thousands of, of resumes. So what's going to differentiate oh, you? Yeah. On, on a piece of paper versus somebody that can actually vouch for you that's that's already there. Yep, cool. Anything else you guys want to cover about uh, interviews and things like that? The hiring process? I, th- I think I've rambled enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. Okay. <laughs> All right, good. I think that was a pretty good discussion. So hopefully our listeners have yeah. picked up at least one tip or two that can help them uh, find the next better job for themselves. Or if they're doing the interviews, can help them pick out the right candidates. All right, so uh, let's move on to picks. Hey, folks, if you love this podcast and would like to support the show, or if you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production, and you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium. Uh, Caleb, what's your pick for this week? My pick is a TV show. I don't think I picked this one before, but I just recently started watching some of it. Uh, you know, there, there's a movie called Snowpiercer, right? And it's about the last, the remains of humanity are there on a train, perpetual motion, has to keep moving or they all die. Well, they actually made a TV show called Snowpiercer that's based off the same idea. And I think right now they have three seasons and I finished season one and it's good. I like the premise, and actors are good. And so my pick is Snowpiercer. You do use it on Amazon Prime or Netflix or uh, what, which? It's, well, it's a TNT, TNT yeah. show, and I think HBO has the rights to it as well. But I don't know of any. I'm sure you could buy it through Amazon, right? You can buy anything through Amazon. But hmm. yeah. All right. Why? What, what's your pick? Uh, actually, my pick this week is actually a, a drink that I've discovered. It's called uh, kombucha. Um, ah, so it's kombucha. basically like, are you, 
Mm-hmm. Have you had it? Yeah, I've, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I've just discovered it, but it's okay. it's like a carbonated drink, so fermented green tea or something. And it, it's basically because I've been trying to. Oh, really? I've been trying to cut soft drink, and it's 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 basically tastes really close to soft drink. But apparently, it's actually really great for you. Like, like I'm not sure about the actual health benefits, but if it just stops me from drinking soft drink, that's that's the health benefit in itself. So I've been drinking that quite a lot. So yeah, I thought I'd just give that as a shout out. I, just, I like the name kombucha. Butcher. All right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, talking about soft drinks, just last night I saw a commercial for Nitro Pepsi. Have you guys seen that? Hmm. I don't see no, a whole lot of nitro these days. Like full of energy, like um, yeah, like, nitro um, is nitrogen. So I don't know if they're using nitrogen instead of uh, for the carbonation or what. But it says you know smaller bubbles, smoother taste, something like that. So I'm I'm gonna have to check it Seriously. out. If it ends okay. up being good, then I'll make it one of my picks. But but uh, I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. Saw that last night. So uh, I'm my actual pick is uh, kind of a show that's been around for a little while, but we've just started watching it, and it's because we. We got Disney Plus with our cell phone plan and things like that. So we started watching uh, The Mandalorian and then uh, mm. we watched the the book of Boba Fett. And so mm-hmm. we really, you know, gone through all season, all three seasons fairly quickly in the past, you know, probably two or three weeks. And now my wife has come kind of bummed out because she really likes the, the little baby Yoda, the, the Grogu uh, right. on that show. So <laughs> she's kind of disappointed that we... We're out of episodes and we can't see what's going to go on until they come out with the next season. So hopefully by sometime this fall, they'll come out with another season of either The Mandalorian, yep. which I think it probably will be, versus The Book of Boba Fett. But uh, So I enjoyed those. Cool. All right. Thanks, guys. Good discussion about uh, interviews mm-hmm. and all those types of fun things that people that are looking for jobs need to know. If our listeners uh, have questions or feedback, we'd love to hear from you. They can reach me on Twitter. I am at... Dot new superhero. Da, 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 da. <laughs> and I'm at Caleb Wells Codes. Yep. All right. We'll catch everybody else on the next episode of Adventures in .net. Bye, y'all. Bye. Thank you. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.